And uh, good morning, everybody, on this Wednesday. I know it feels like Monday, but it is Wednesday after the 4th of July. This is the 5th day of July. I'm Brian Barnhart sitting in for Jim Turpin this week as Jim takes some time off during the holiday week. Great to have you with us today. We're at 906 and 76 degrees. In our first hour today on Penny for Your Thoughts, pleased to be joined by the new uh, superintendent of Unifor Schools, Dr. Susan Zola. She's been in the district for several years in different uh, capacities, but now as the superintendent, we'll visit with her about Unit 4 Schools. If you have any questions along the way, feel free to join us. The uh, numbers are 356-9397. You can text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line at 3515357. And as always, you can email us talk at wdws.com busy day yesterday hope you enjoyed the parade enjoyed walking in that yesterday lots of uh, entries with floats and people marching in the parade it seemed like the crowd was bigger it seemed like to me anyway just having walked it now for several years in a row and a great day to have a parade the fireworks all the activities of yesterday wrapped up some people may still be off i don't know maybe the you know fourth of july on a tuesday why not take the whole week off, huh? But uh, anyway, whatever you're doing today, however you'd like to join us, feel free to uh, join us here on Penny for Your Thoughts. I'll be with you tomorrow and Friday. On Friday, by the way, uh, Dr. King Lee is going to join us, the new uh, dean of the Carl Illinois College of Medicine. That'll be in the second hour. We'll talk some rebounders golf outing coming up a little bit tomorrow. But in and around all of those guests the next three days, open phone lines as well here on Penny for Your Thoughts. We'll take a quick break. Come back with our new superintendent in Champaign Unit 4 Schools, Dr. Susan Zola, after this opening timeout. All right, we are back on Penny for Your Thoughts on this Wednesday morning. We have Dr. Susan Zola with us here in this first hour, an open line as well in hour number two. If you have any comments or questions, uh, Dr. Zola is the new superintendent at Unit 4 Schools. Give us a call at 356-9397, Castle Heating and Cooling text line 3515357. You can email us, talk at WDWS. Dot com. Uh, Dr. Zola is here. Susan, how are you? Good morning, Brian. Good. I'm doing well. Good. Thank you. Five days on the job now. So, yeah, it's pretty yeah. early in my tenure, but um, <laughs> most of the, the transition has been sort of getting settled in, and I'm excited about um, serving in this new role. I know uh, you worked closely with Judy Wiegand all these years. Uh, that had to make the transition easier. Uh, obviously, uh, Dr. Wiegand leaves a strong legacy. Uh, many of the initiatives um, that she has started will continue to move forward. Um, she served the district um, in in many ways over her 30-plus years in Champaign Unit 4 and as a professional. And obviously she was a, a great mentor to me and will continue to help um, as I transition into this new role. We'll talk about uh, what's going on in Unit 4 as we go along, but also introduce you to the community as well. I've known you for several years. Uh, I, f- I think I first met you when your son Luke mm-hmm. was playing in the Challenger League, Kiwanis Challenger League, Correct. several years ago. Right. I think uh, you were uh, obviously volunteering and, and serving in a community role, and I was there as a parent with a, a young son who was participating um, and what we didn't realize would be a, a real difference maker for our community, um, having an opportunity to um, a, a include um, young children that may not always have been able to participate in, in baseball was um, both a real gift to our family and I think a real gift to the community. You have three children overall now? All we do. They're older now. Right. So. They're all grown up. <laughs> um, our oldest, Sarah, I was married actually a year ago, um, July 2nd, and she and her Husband, both graduates of Centennial, 
and the University of Illinois are working on their doctoral programs and living in Oak Park. And then, as you mentioned, our twins. Um, our daughter Anne is uh, going to be entering her uh, junior year at Northwestern, so not too far away, also in the Chicago area. She's actually studying abroad in Berlin this mm-hmm. summer. And then our son Luke um, is living in the Chicago area as well and has a, mm-hmm. a job there. So um, all three are, are headed, are in the north uh, part of the state, which makes mm-hmm. it easy for my husband and I to, to visit. Mm-hmm. And your daughter Anne, if you went to any musicals at uh, the Aldridge Auditorium, she was in there. My daughter, I think, was in some musicals with her. I Correct. Think. They spent four years singing and dancing yeah. together, and yeah. Sarah and Eli as well. Um, we actually had a, a wonderful celebration a few weeks ago um, as we honored Sue Aldridge, uh, a longtime drama teacher, and over 200 of her alumni came back for a, a callbacks weekend where they raised about 35000 for the Cliff Rocks Foundation. Yeah. So as you know, this community um, supports not only their public schools, but they support um, the extracurricular events, and theater and drama um, certainly are two good examples. Now, you were on stage a little bit too, right? Was, I had a couple of choice, or Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I did a, a, a piece in 2004. I was in CUTC's The Sound of Music. Um, and then I've had a, a couple opportunities to be on stage at Centennial. So I had the privilege to um, have one last opportunity to honor Miss Aldridge as a part of that callbacks weekend as mm-hmm. well. This is the superintendent of Unit 4 Schools in Champaign, Dr. Susan Zola. Tell me about your background a little bit, your education, where you, uh, you've been in the district for many years now. but Right, I'm beginning my 34th year as an educator um, and my 28th in Champaign Unit 4 um, I grew up in Paris, Illinois, so it's about an hour away, a small farming community near the Illinois-Indiana border. Both my bachelor's and master's are from Eastern Illinois University, and my doctorate's from the University of Illinois. Started uh, My student teaching actually was at Thomas Paine in Urbana, and then okay. taught first grade there. Um, all of my administrative time actually has been spent in Champaign. So in 91, I had the opportunity to serve as principal of Dr. Howard, um, and was there for five years, transitioned to central office as a director um, had an opportunity to serve nine years as a principal of Jefferson Middle School. Had a couple of the Barnhart kids during mm, that yes time. Yes, she did. <laughs> um, and then um, Dr. Wigan, uh, she took on the superintendency. I had the opportunity to um, serve as an assistant superintendent. And most of my work was focused on our 12 elementary campuses at mm-hmm. that time. And uh, you were involved in curriculum, right? Uh, right. Both. Few years, yeah. <clears throat> right. So uh, my curriculum work um, actually started in 96 when I oversaw some of the federal and state grants as well as uh, K-12 curriculum, and then I'm back in my current role over the last five years, had the opportunity to work K-12 mm-hmm. with uh, our curriculum instruction was, programs. Was being the superintendent something you thought about over the years, or was that just a recent So um, most of my career pathways have been um, created by conversations with strong mentors. Mm-hmm. So I actually, um, you know, obviously I've always loved teaching and um, thought that was, you know, probably the place I could serve. Uh, someone, um, you know, indicated uh, had I ever considered being a principal and, and therefore ended into that pathway. And the same thing happened um, in regards to central office and eventually the superintendency. Um, strong mentors, you know, mm-hmm. offered that possibly that might be a place to serve. So I don't know that it was ever a specific goal, but certainly um, when you're in the profession and you work with uh, strong colleagues, you see what, what where are where are there places that you might be able to serve. And um, obviously I'm I'm extremely excited and, mm-hmm. and feel very honored to have this new role um, and serve the district mm-hmm. and continue to serve the mm-hmm. district. So when you go, when you talk, and I'm around sports teams a lot, you go from an assistant coach, uh, like at a basketball team or football team, they always tell me, you know, it's one thing to be the assistant, it's another when you slide a few inches over into the into the big chair, so to speak. And I know that's, that can always be an adjustment too, which, which is why your mentors will help, I'm sure. 
you Absolutely. Know, as you settle in. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I literally moved across the hallway, um, but I, ha- I have a sense just from my early um, work in that space as uh, Dr. Wigan and I were transitioning, I had mm-hmm. had some opportunities to uh, sit with her in some spaces that I normally wouldn't be in, and um, I, I would concur that my sense is it will be a, a different role. Um, but again, um, I think this community really wants our schools to be successful. I know that the people who will help mentor me, we have a very strong and supportive board of education. So I think um, you couldn't ask for a better um, set of um, supports as I make that transition. I always think, and this is true of any, not just your position in Champaign Unit 4 schools, but any time, whether it's the city or county or a team or whatever, if you can promote from within somebody who's like yourself, who's been in the district and seen it at all different levels from, you know, elementary level, middle school, I I would think that would help in your job. Not only just the job itself, but being from the community and being in the community. Right. So I think having um, my husband and I obviously have raised our three children and they've gone to Champaign schools from kindergarten through 12th grade and obviously now have graduated. Um, Our children have experienced lots of different aspects of the school district from um, AP classes to uh, classes that support students with special needs, um, extracurricular opportunities. So I've been been a parent uh, in the district, obviously, for years. And then as you um, shared, having served as a teacher within Champaign-Urbana, certainly as a a building principal, um, a lot of the families I interact with um, were on our third generation. I I ran into a family the other day. I had had the uh, parent as a child at Dr. Howard, and now Mm -hmm. we're welcoming their children into the Mm -hmm. school district. So um, I think this community is it values the institutional knowledge that we can bring those of us that have been in the district for a while and i would see that as an asset moving forward in our work all right three five six nine three nine seven we do have a caller for our guest here dr susan zola again she just uh, took over here as the new superintendent been in transition the last few months with uh, dr judy wiegan the previous superintendent and let's go to irene irene how are you good morning hey uh i didn't realize that you had a special guest on oh but she sounds like she's very, uh, very, very good in what she's going to do. And I look forward to seeing how she handles the uh, Unit 4 situation. Well, there's a lot going on. So no specific question for her, though? Uh, not anything specific. I'm okay. from Urbana. Okay. Well, uh, very, we well, probably could use her over in Urbana. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, thank you. Appreciate it, Irene. As you've studied your previous uh, mentors and people that have, what what makes a good superintendent? Um, well, it's interesting because obviously Dr. Wigan, I had some conversations with Dr. Williams, um, uh, Mr. Owen, and I have an opportunity to have had some conversations. The current superintendent, um, I, there's several individuals that I that I have reached out to over the last several months just to get that sort of sense of wisdom. I think a superintendent, a CEO, any CEO, um, I think you want to be a, a good listener. And you want to um, make sure you understand the constituents and their needs. Um, I think you want to reach out to the various stakeholders that you represent. So obviously we have 1,900 employees that represent a wide range of roles within the district. Um, this first year, uh, a part of that work is to really appreciate and understand what their roles are from uh, the bus monitors and a bus driver, cafeteria worker, custodian, obviously classroom teacher, teacher aide, secretary, office manager, principals, and so on. So sort of understanding how they serve and, and support our schools will be important. Uh, the community obviously has been very um, supportive of our work uh, with the recent passage of the referendum last November. So I think they've given us some clear direction on what they're hoping over the next several years. 
but I think being a good listener and understanding what are the values, um, understanding who it is that you're serving. So again, our families and our students at the end of the day, we're, we're school district that is trying to uh, create 21st century learners and ensure that our families have what they need to, um, help their students find success. We're going to take a break. We're at 920. Dr. Susan Zola is with us, uh, the new superintendent at Unit 4. If you have any questions for our guest this hour, feel free to give us a call, 356-9397. Text line is 351-5357. You can email us, talk at wdws.com. We've kind of introduced you to Dr. Zola with her career and background. We'll talk about what's ahead here for Unit 4. Of course, the referendum passed, a lot of building to uh, get done, uh, all sorts of things ahead. We'll Get into some of that with Dr. Zola after this timeout. All right, we're back on Penny for Your Thoughts here with Dr. Susan Zola, the superintendent of Unit 4 Schools. Just started on the job on July 1st officially, taking over for uh, Dr. Judy Wigan. Does that give you the best parking spot then? Um, it... it gives me a different parking spot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not necessarily the best one, though. But anyway, uh, congratulations on that, and uh, we're looking forward to um, – Hearing from our callers here, we have uh, Bob on the line here for Dr. Zola. And, uh, Bob, go ahead. How are you? I'm doing fine. I, I have a question. Is I spent 18 years and so many months in Urbana as a custodian. I spent 17 years and so many months in Toronto as a custodian. I have been a monitor on a school bus for practically 17 straight years. And my question is, years and years has gone by, especially for the school buses. They have always put out on the school buses 71 passengers. And to me, what I see, some of these kids are getting bigger than what they used to even in grade school. And I have been on a bus that's had as many 69 students. That's cramming three students to seat. And I, I know it would take more just or take care of school district, but I would like to see superintendents out through the county or whatever get together and possibly try to make a change on this because I can see if there's a severe accident, I can see a lot more people hurt if they only had two people to a seat. I know this has gone on for years and years, and I know Champaign has their own buses. I've been familiar with that the other end. Urbanus is contracted out. But I think I'm bringing up a real serious uh, safety issue in a lot of situations, uh, having just too many kids on the bus. You know, like you're on a bus with 69 kids, and you got the driver, you got me, you're you're pretty well crammed. All right. Well, let's let her uh, talk about that. What about? Well, good morning, Bob. Thanks for your call, um, and thanks for your service in the various roles over the years in our community. Um, I think that you hit on a very important topic in terms of student safety. So part of the job of the school district is to ensure that um, students coming to and from school and obviously uh, throughout the day are offered a safe space, uh, you know, in terms of transportation in your, in your specific question. I think the reality is there's sort of what the law allows and then what the optimum is. Um, over the last year, one of Dr. Wiggins' tasks this last uh, year in her role was to actually do a transportation audit. And from that audit, we received probably 31 different um, initiatives, anywhere from upgrading software to additional buses to ways to train staff and so on. Um, so I, I think that your um, concern is a part of a, a broader 
uh, piece of work that you'll see over the next few years in our district because, as you said, we do provide our own transportation. We very much value our drivers and our monitors. You probably know the district just completed a $4 million uh, new transportation center with state-of-the-art um, mechanical spaces, bus washes, and just a much nicer professional space for our staff to work in. So I think that your concern um, is part of the audit work that you'll see working over the next few years. And anytime we can offer students um, a more optimal way to get to and from school, as you said, with less students on the bus, um, I think that's going to be the, the priority. The other balance or reality right now is that um, some of those categorical payments that um, help with transportation and special education funding um, are behind, right, from the state in terms of the state budget. So we're trying to balance what we can do within the dollars that we received um, and at the end of the day making sure our students are safe. But I really appreciate you talking to me. Another way I've always got extra information, which he's passed away now, is I was always very close contact with Gene Vanderport. Mm-hmm. And Gene Vanderport's probably, you know, worked with teachers. He's worked you know, with buses, custodians, and everything. And, you know, this is where I got a lot of the information. And he also was in agreement that a lot of times the buses are overcrowded. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a great um, a great educator, a great supporter of, of schools and the work of our schools. I had the opportunity to work with Gene several times over my tenure in the last 33 years, and um, certainly we miss him and all of the um, the support that he offered to us as educators. Yeah. How long ago did he pass away? Has it been? Sure. I'm uh, not sure that uh, I know. Yeah, exactly. but uh, probably this past year. Yeah. All right. Hey, Bob, thank you. Well, thank you very much yep. for letting me talk to her. That's just just this one item, but at least that other people are going to call in. And since I've experienced, I just hope the superintendents will get together out through the county or out through the state sometime. To, you know, look into this situation. All right. Thanks for calling. Thank okay. All right. All right. Let's go to Cindy on line two. Hi, Cindy. You're on with Doctor Zola. Oh, good. Hi. Um, I hope Dr. Zola remembers me, uh, Cindy, from when she was a principal at Jefferson. She was awesome. <laughs> I want to tell everybody that Unifor finally got it right. Susan Zola is awesome, and hopefully she'll have powers now to uh, do the good things that she can do. So I wanted to congratulate her, first of all. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> and um, I wanted to bring up kind of a transition uh, issue because... Uh, since you're a superintendent, you uh, would oversee kids going into Parkland. And um, at the Unit 4, you have an IEP and you uh, can make things happen. When you get to Parkland, it seems like, like if a student has reading disability, they want them to take four classes, you know, at, to get to what they're never going to get to if they have this certain disability. So... Um, how closely will you think that you'll work on issues maybe between transitioning from high school to Parkland? Okay. So thank you for your question and for your affirmation. Um, again, you know, I'm excited about the opportunity to serve in this new role and continue my work in Unit 4. Um, I have not worked as closely with Parkland. I know that Tom Ramage and I have had some, uh, we have brief conversation this spring and have set up um, a meeting later um, this summer to sit down and just talk about the work that um, that Parkland has done. Dr. Wigan, um, Dr. Taylor have been more involved in some of that early college and career academy work, the Young Entrepreneurs Programming, some of our dual language courses. Um, I would love for you to um, 
send me a, um, a note, maybe an email, or, or set up a time to, to better understand the context of, of maybe what you've experienced, because that may help us in, our, in my initial conversations with Tom and some of the other staff. I know that Parkland has and will continue to be a strong partner with Unit 4. Um, I've watched just in the five years that I was in my role as assistant um, and the number of initiatives. Um, they do see themselves as an extension of our work once we continue to um, transition students from our high school. So um, I'd be more, more than happy to entertain sort of the context of what is uh, playing out for you and maybe for other families and see if we can build some bridges that's to great. support that. I, that's wonderful. That's kind of, that's exactly what I'd love to hear. <laughs> so how, where do I just uh, send that over to Unit 4? Or? So uh, you can email Zola, S-U, at U4SD.org. Z-O-L-A-S-U at U4SD.org. And that'll come to my uh, email and then I'll have an opportunity to read it and respond and then we'll be able to follow up um, Personally. Awesome. Thank you very much. See, somebody listened. There you go. <laughs> Thank All right. you. That's Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Have Bye-bye. a great day. Appreciate it. We need to take a break for the news. Dr. Susan Zola with us, the new superintendent of Unit 4 Schools in Champaign. She's been in the district for many years. She was my daughter's principal at one time at uh, Jefferson Middle School, and uh, she's here taking your questions, your thoughts. We'll talk uh, some more about some of the building going on, what's, a horf- what's ahead for uh, Unit 4 uh, in the years ahead now as she takes the reins, and we'll come back with... Dr. Zola, but first, a a news update from Michael Kaiser. We're back on Penny for Your Thoughts. Dr. Susan Zola is with us here as we join you on this Wednesday. It is a Wednesday, by the way, and uh, getting ready, of course, for the school year ahead and what is uh, lying ahead here for Champaign Unit 4 schools. And the new superintendent is Dr. Susan Zola. If you have any questions for Dr. Zola, please uh, give us a call. If you'd like, 356-9397. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, Three five one five three five seven. You can email us talk at wdws.com. Talked about your background, some some of the issues that have been on the minds of our callers, and, and of course the referendum was the big thing. I think three times uh, went through all the different variations of what was going to be done. Wound up with uh, the idea of keeping the central high school where it is, but doing some things so kind of where are we on that right now so we have been um well first of all i just want to start by saying thank you to our community thank you for supporting um, public schools thank you for supporting champaign unit four um, thank you for believing um, that collectively we can um, change the landscape of our schools over the next several years uh, by uh, approving 183.4 million dollar referendum so first of all just a, a note of thanks from the board um from the staff and the various stakeholders, families that will benefit from um, your support. Um, right now, we are uh, busy in the planning stages. When I leave here, I'll head over to what we call the project management team. That group meets um, sometimes weekly, but certainly every other week. Um, it's a representative group of our architects, construction managers, CFO, some of our district staff. Um, and so um, a lot of the behind-the-scenes work uh, started in January and we'll continue. Um, probably some of the most visible work that the community will start to see will be um, Dr. Howard. Um, as you know, we're going to uh, rebuild, uh, tear down and rebuild Dr. Howard on site at $16.1 million. And so the Dr. Howard staff will work with them this fall as we consider uh, locations to relocate that campus to while we rebuild on site. And so a year from now, the community will start to see um, a real change in terms of the scope. We'll be reaching out with some open houses later, um, possibly even later this month, certainly in August, to the 
surrounding community uh, around Dr. Howard to talk about sort of where we're at with that work and kind of keep them up to speed. Um, you'll also probably start to see some of the fields work in Spalding. And as we continue, we have a, a meeting later today with uh, the Champaign Park District. Um, Joe DeLuce and his team have been incredibly supportive. Um, I think one of the things I love about Champaign is the collaborative work. Um, Deb Finan, um, Bruce Knight from the city, um, Dorothy, Day, you know, the, the staff there, um, the park district. Um, there are so many people that Parkland, we talked about Parkland mm-hmm. earlier. There are so many um, uh, agencies within the, or governmental bodies within the, the community that want to collaborate mm-hmm. and see this as a game changer for our community. Because as you know, with strong schools, um, it makes the community just healthier. So um, a lot of the work around Central Centennial have really been with staff. We've done some visits to um, schools that were renovated up in the Chicago area that are similar to like a central, an older building, a campus that's been renovated. So we did that in early June. Um, but the work, uh, the planning work has been going on for several months. Um, and uh, part of our job over the next several years will be able, will be to keep the community informed about the work um, in various ways to ensure that they know that their dollars are going to um, the projects that they that they, they sought us to uh, complete. Mm-hmm. Kind of a timeline. I mean, I know construction can vary with weather, and you've got different facets of this. Is this five years? I mean, how long are we talking here when everything will be done, I guess, potentially? Right. The, the timeline, and there are several visuals on our website that, that um, individuals can go and track and will continue to be um, – providing updates, but we're hoping by 2021-22 that most of our work is completed. And as you already articulated, there are lots of reasons why that timeline may have to be adjusted, but um, we're optimistic in um, both the planning and construction work that um, much of this work will be completed over the next five years. All right, let's go back to the phones here for Dr. Susan Zola, again, the new superintendent of Champaign Unit 4 Schools here in our studio this morning. Uh, Lawrence, good morning. How are you? Uh, Good morning, all. I want to congratulate Dr. Zola on uh, getting the job. Uh, I uh, don't think the school board should have wasted any time in uh, looking for other candidates. Uh, I suppose they also wasted some money in doing that. Uh, I want to focus on uh, the money and the board and the mentality of the board. I think the board, uh, well, at least I hope the board, remembers that getting 70% of the vote uh, as happened, uh, does not equal, or at least it should not equal, uh, in the minds of the board as well as the minds of the voters, uh, that uh, the board is uh, considered to be 70% infallible. Uh, the boards that authorized what ended up being a nice-looking but kind of strange construction for uh, Dr. Howard were probably just as uh, infallible. So I'm still in favor of steady, slow as she goes, and one building at a time, and we the citizens should make sure the board doesn't screw up. I mean, you know, they had project managers for uh, the uh, construction on the uh, south uh, end of Southside School, and they still ended up with water flowing into the back windows because the construction was done dumbly. So that's all I want right. to share. Thank well, you. All right. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you. We appreciate that. A lot that goes into building these different buildings. Uh, you said Dr. Howard is kind of the first. Is that Would that be fair? It's the first thing coming up 
I think uh, it'll be the most visible most first visible? Okay. Uh, piece. Um, as I said, a lot of work has already, uh, Dr. Taylor and many of the architects um, for Central Centennial have been working with staff mm-hmm. this spring. Um, you'll start to see some of those plans unfold probably in early August um, in terms of what the footprint and some of the renovated mm-hmm. spaces. Um, as I articulated earlier around the, the vision of a superintendent or anyone in a, a leadership position, making sure, um, and Lawrence kind of alluded to this, making sure we get this right. Um, And so making sure that the individuals who are going to be impacted by these decisions for the long term are part of those conversations early helps not only the architect, but helps us ensure that we're meeting the needs of our staff as well as the students and families that we'll serve. Part of the situation with Central, you know, was just it's an old building, which we know. And I guess part of the process now, isn't it, uh, you're acquiring some different properties, what all is that going to look like? I mean, do you are you taking up more space? Are you adding things to the central building? How, how do you work, I guess, with an old building? What, what do you do? Sure. So that's um, as we uh, began to uh, look for architects uh, a few years ago, that was one of the key um, sort of determiners in, in selecting a firm or firms was individuals who had had this experience, who had gone in, into high schools throughout the state or even throughout the Midwest and um, understood the dynamics of, of working in an old building and adding um, you know, air conditioning or adding on um, sections of the building, adding on additions and so on. Um, you're right that uh, when the, the community was really clear with the board um, over the last several years that they wanted Central to stay um, central. And so that required us and the board to really look um, beyond this, the footprint, the current footprint. Mm-hmm. If you're going to build a new high school and add on, you're going to have to acquire space um, as a part of that. And so um, I think as the board has tried to be very transparent by purchasing properties around that area, we're able now to stay in the core of the community, build a state-of-the-art 21st century high school, and provide some of the uh, field spaces for our students, not all, but some spaces for our students so they'll be able to walk across and practice and um, head back to campus if they need later in the evening. You've been around in the community long enough. You've seen the growth areas. I mean, for several years it was south and west. Then it went north. Savoy has continued to grow. I mean, uh, I think that was some of the part of the dynamic of the referendum was, okay, which direction should we go here to find a footprint big enough for what we want to do? And you still got the growing communities that you still have to kind of balance, too. Well, as you know, Champaign County is one of two um, in the state that continues to grow. We just exceeded um, 10,000 students this past year. You'll see uh, portable classrooms going up at our middle school campuses because our students uh, from the elementary are transitioning. Um, And we're at an all-time high in terms of of all three levels, I think, in terms of supporting um, the campuses and our students. I think that's a good thing. I think that Mm -hmm. says something about Champaign County and Champaign community. Uh, I think it says something about the work that we do within the school community. Um, and so we're pleased that that's uh, the, the narrative that we're responding to. Um, and you're correct. I think uh, when the Tier 2 committee looked at the needs of our work, there was over 300,000. Um, and so we still have to address middle school capacity down the road, and we will um, put a facilities group together to begin to take a look at that. In the meantime, we'll look for some short-term solutions to support our mm-hmm. families as they transition into the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. I remember seeing a chart uh, presented a few years ago about how many kindergartners there were, how many first graders there were, and this was in the middle of all the referendum debate. And I'm thinking, they're going to run out of room. 
I mean, there's two. There's, I mean, that's a good problem, but there's a lot of kids. Right. So it is a good problem again. Um, and that twelfth elementary school, when we added the International Prep Academy, the yeah. dual language school, which was the old Kerry BC on Kirby, that really helped our elementary campuses be able to sustain the growth. Um, obviously, with three middle schools, um, we we don't have as quick a, a fix. Uh, Edison will be renovated, but won't necessarily add capacity. Mm-hmm. So we are already talking about what we can do to support our middle school campuses over the next several years. Um, knowing that down the road, that conversation around a fourth middle school will probably be something we'll have to bring back um, mm-hmm. in the next 15 years. The other front burner issue, we're with Dr. Susan Zola here, the new superintendent of Unifor. If you have any questions for our guests, feel free to uh, jump in at any time. Is the budget in Springfield? Looks like they're getting close. I mean, there's been the vetoes and the overrides, and the, but uh, how has that affected Unit 4 with, with all of the back and forth? Sure. So um, obviously schools in general are um, anxious to hopefully see the state pass a budget. It gives um, all the districts uh, a lot more certainty about opening, of course, in August and how long we would be able to stay open um, you know, if there wasn't a budget. So some of those conversations, again, have been, have been occurring with the Board of Education and some of our other colleagues across the state. Um, we're hopeful as everyone is, that there'll be a budget passed, hopefully yet today. Um, we'll continue to monitor various aspects of the decision-making uh, impacting school districts would be anything from a property tax freeze, the new school funding formulas, um, any kind of pension reform, any of the categorical transportation special ed, as we alluded to earlier, those payments catching back up. So there's several things that, um, that we monitor as a part of the state budget work that can directly impact schools moving forward. I've seen some of the numbers over the years as the budget impasse is dragged on. Uh, the smaller districts that rely so much on state money, I mean, I know they're hurting, and I don't know what the figures are for Champaign, but I know you guys are also – the state owes you some money too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think last uh, – the state – Last that I uh, was um, heard, there was about four point seven million that Champaign Schools was still owed from various um, underfunded or yet to received payments. Um, and you're right, I, the state um, it, it varies by district. So depending on the the EAV of your local district, how much you rely on local property taxes uh, or state funding. Um, those are all variables that could really impact schools moving forward. And certainly, our hope is that all schools will be able to open um, on time to serve the families in the various communities across Illinois. Illinois is a diverse state in the sense that you've got Chicago, which has is just a huge, huge school district. And then you've got the little school districts. And, you know, somehow trying to fund everybody fairly is it's a real trick, I think. I think that's <laughs> been the difficulty over the last several years that they've looked at school funding uh, reform is that depending on the formulas that you use, um, there could be winners and losers. And um, some of the more current... Um, uh, versions allow the kind of hold harmless model and then also put new monies to those what they call tier one schools, schools that are most in need based on pop- student poverty. So um, we'll continue to monitor and watch, and hopefully there'll be some good decisions coming out of Springfield soon. All right. Uh, let's go to Anna Wall. Anna Wall, how are you? Good morning. And uh, I'd like to congratulate the superintendent on her appointment. But however, let me state at the outset that I am a staunch critic of Common Core. And being an Afro-American born and raised in the state of Tennessee under all black segregated schools, I, I was able to accomplish a double master's and a bachelor's at the University of Illinois and be a successful teacher at Parkland College 
for 42 years before I retired. However, based on what I see today, I am operating on the assumption that Afro-Americans and the children of the working poor are going to hell in a handbasket with this common core. And I wish that somebody in the schools or the leaders would attack it and try to do something about it. All right. Well, let's let her respond to that, okay, Anna Wall? Go ahead. All right. First of all, explain Common Core real quick. Sure. Um, So several years ago at the uh, national level, they identified a set of common learning standards or outcomes that students across states would be held accountable to. Um, And I think um, it has gotten different uh, responses, obviously, in terms of individuals and their affirmation. I think the the broader question that... um, that she speaks to is the reality that we definitely have students in our in our schools that are not performing at the level we would want. And oftentimes, um, if you look at our data, our African-American students are not performing. So it's our job, regardless of whether it's uh, alignment to the Common Core, it's our job to take a look at what do those families and students need to uh, better be prepared to have the same success that she had, um, you know, post Unit 4. Obviously, she's been successful at the university and taught at Parkland, and uh, we want that for our students as well. But we still have issues of equity in our schools that we have to address, um, and part of my role as a superintendent is to work with my staff to to put those issues as a part of our agenda moving forward. We're at 9.54. We're here with Dr. Susan Zola, the new superintendent of uh, Unit 4 schools in Champaign. Uh, bullying is always a topic that comes up often uh, when it comes to schools. You've been teaching and working at all age groups. Uh, you're probably never going to, you hope to eradicate it completely. You want everybody to feel safe and to come to school and to have a good experience. Sometimes human nature, but uh, I mean, how do you, what do you do with it? Is it worse than when you were working at the district level as a teacher or a principal or how has it changed over the years, I guess? Yeah, so um, the, the the topic of bullying is, you know, falls under a broader uh, pillar of, of my initiatives around culture and climate. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that, um, I think it has gotten more difficult with social media and um, students' access to um, uh, messaging and, and Facebook and, and Instagram and, and sort just sort of uh, thinking they're invisible in their words and the realities, of course, they're not. And then the receiving um, individuals that may have access to that information and what that might pl- how that might play out in a school. But when you think about a broader context of culture and climate, there's a lot of layers to that work moving forward. So certainly, how do we as adults um, build relationships with students so that they feel safe? How do we as adults create spaces so that students, if, if something is happening, they have a place where they can go, an advocate, a system, a person that they can share so that we can address it. Um, we always have much more success if we know something's happening than if the student or the family keeps it to themselves. Um, and then what are the proactive things we can do um, so that we really empower the bystanders and the other individuals who aren't necessarily the protagonist or the victim but are there sort of watching it. And when you create that kind of a culture where we protect and um, speak up on each other's behalf, I think you see some of those key issues um, dwindle because you've created a space that people want to be a part of and, and don't allow those those sort of negative voices and negative words mm-hmm. to play out so regularly. We're at 9.56, couple of minutes left with uh, Dr. Susan Zola. What do uh, those of us that aren't in a school building every day, what, what about kids today? What should we know about kids today of all ages uh, sure. that, that you see every day that maybe we don't know about? 
I think our our children feel a lot of stress in their daily life. I think it's um, stress from the media because they see images that they think they may need to to uphold themselves to stress in um, in that. I think we ask more of the young people and and stress in you know feeling like they need to do so much and accomplish so much. And then I again I just think the media messaging that our students um, see and hear. Um, so I think we want to be aware of that. We want to talk with our children about that. I think we want to create space for our children to to take a breath, to uh, allow them to um, engage in um, activities outside, engage in activities that, that, that are a part of their passion, whether it's the arts or sports or, you know, more bike riding, more walking in the park, uh, more taking a book and, you know, sort of reading for pleasure. Um, I think our, our society is moving at such a rapid pace and our kids are caught in that turmoil. Um, and I think as adults, we need to sort of be aware of that. Um, you know, devices are can be a, a friend and can be a foe. And so just really going back to the to the idea of listening to each other and being present to each other can go a long way to help alleviate some of the stress that our students feel. Yeah, because as parents, and you know this as a parent, you'll send your child to school. And I mean, as they get older, they want to be more independent and there's more. You have less as a parent. They're there eight hours a day or whatever. And the school is a really important part of their daily ex- experience and you want it to be a good one for them absolutely you know. and it goes back to creating a culture and a climate where teachers feel valued and appreciated and staff feel valued and appreciated and therefore students will will uh, reap the benefits of that value and appreciation so um, if we do our job well um, I think that um, we can continue to create schools that foster not only a strong culture and climate of respect and support for all those who enter um, but we can create some strong academic outcomes Susan, great to see you. Thank you so much, Thank you Brian. for coming in. Appreciate the opportunity. Great to see you, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch at some point. Great. So Thank you so much. Enjoy the new job. All right. Thanks. All right. Have Thank a great you, day. Dr. Susan Zola. We're at 959. I want to remind you uh, quickly, if you uh, need a roof repaired, Swanson Roofing is the place to uh, call. They are locally owned, locally operated. Uh, Corey Swanson, of course, uh, known as the roofing dog. You'll see him around town or somebody wearing a uh, dog costume, the roofing dog. It's, uh, you immediately know who it is, but he's a graduate from Rantoul High School. The University of Illinois does not subcontract out any work. They're comprised of roofing professionals certified in roof installation, and they've been with the company for many years. It's a company you want to call. They may not, you may not know much about them. You may have other companies in mind, but give them a call along the way. The Roofing Dog, 217-355-ROOF. That's 217-355-7663, or go to theroofingdog.com. The news is next at 10 o'clock, an open line in hour number two on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. All right, an open line in hour number two of Penny for Your Thoughts. Appreciate Dr. Susan Zola being with us in the first hour, the new superintendent of Unit 4 Schools. Tomorrow, pretty much an open line all day on Thursday. We will talk a little bit with uh, Scott Friedline. He's the chair of the Rebounders Golf Outing coming up. Some quick info on that, and then uh, on Friday, an open line in hour number one, and then Dr. King Lee, the new dean of the Carl College, uh, Illinois College of Medicine, is going to join us in hour number two, and then Jim is back on Monday. Thanks for being with us during the course of this week. Hope you had a good 4th of July. Enjoyed seeing a lot of uh, listeners out there at our parade walk yesterday. I think we were number 70 or so in the parade walk. Always enjoy being out there uh, amongst all of our um, Listeners out there of these radio stations here, WDWS and Light Rock 97.5 and Classic Hits 107.9, enjoy it every year. Dave Lone's always the hit of the parade, though.
You always hear Loney more often than not. So he's been marching in that parade for uh, longer than I have. But always a lot of fun. Great day. Hope the fireworks went well and hope everybody had a good fourth. We're now into the 5th of July. Want to remind you if you need some painting done, Precision Painting is the, the place to call. Owner Chad Ebert, his goal is to earn your letter of recommendation. They now have over 200 local letters of recommendation, and Precision Painting has 50 Angie's List reviews. They're A-rated, A-rated, excuse me, A-rated, and the recipient of the Super Service Award for the last two years from Angie's List. This is the time of the year to think about the exterior needs of your home, and they do everything from exterior painting to wood siding to windows to deck refinishing. On average, homeowners need to paint their houses every 7 to 10 years. Did you know that? Do you want to have it done right? Well, Precision Painting has the expertise and the experience. Contact Chad Ebert at 384-7590 or go to whyprecision.com. That's W-H-Y precision.com. P-R-E-C-I-S-I-O-N. That's how you spell that. All right, what's on your mind today? Springfield, national news, North Korea, of course, is it me or does every like major holiday the North Koreans fire off missiles? It, it always happens around Memorial Day or holiday, July 4th, Christmas. It's like, okay, everybody's going to be busy with celebrating holidays and celebrating America. Let's test a couple of missiles, why don't we? That's what the North Koreans seem to do. So anyway, um, that's in the news. Of course, the budget over in Springfield, uh, some back and forth yesterday on the 4th of July with some votes, some vetoes, and some overriding, and now they're in the House. They didn't have enough members last night in the House, didn't have a quorum. Only 54 members answered the uh, quorum call. So they couldn't override the governor's veto last night. Let's go to the phones here, and Marcus is first up this hour. Hi, Marcus. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you, sir? Good. I was. Uh, I actually attended the fireworks with my family last night, and my son lost his phone. Uh-oh. So I'm in a frantic search trying to find it, so I was thinking of ways, and when I was looking at your station, I thought, you know, I'll call in, and maybe some listener knows someone who found a phone and can get it back to me. So All right. It was a silver iPhone in a black Magpul case, and it was lost somewhere between State Farm Center and the lot into the cemetery and across practice field. Okay, say say the last part again, State Farm Center and? State Center, and we rounded the corner next to the uh, cemetery, and it's, we were in the lot across from the practice field on the stadium side. Okay, so, on the, cemet in, there. the cemetery area right there, yep. somewhere in that yep. area. Okay. And I'm offering a reward if someone can get it back to me. All right, so where should they call? Call me 617 mm -hmm. 621-3971. 3971-217-621-3971. Okay, yeah. and, and ask for you? Yes. Okay. All right, well, hopefully I, they'll find it. Well, hopefully we'll find someone. We've, we've been to the police departments. We've been everywhere we can think of. And like I say, I just thought of you guys, and I thought maybe, just maybe, you know, someone knew someone, and... The problem is it's locked, and I don't know if someone found. Mm -hmm. All right, Mark. Where to return it? So. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, very good. Okay. Well, hopefully somebody will call. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Good yep. Good luck with that. Three five six nine three nine seven. You can text us Castle Heating and Cooling text line three five one five three five seven. Email us talk at wdws. 
com. Let's go to uh, Jim is up next. Hi, Jim. Morning, Brian. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm a lifelong uh, resident of Champaign-Urbana and a big fan of the U of I sports. Uh, my oldest daughter is a graduate from the School of Psychology and such. Um, I was shocked this morning when I read in the News Gazette, and I, otherwise I wouldn't have known this in, in the letters to the editor, uh, that Lou Henson was not included last week in the, in the uh, initial Sports Hall of Fame? Not in the first class, no. How does that happen? Well, a lot of people ask that. and uh, I mean, when I, I ask that, I think that you're kind of connected. Maybe you could find <laughs> out for us but how... What was what, what? What kind of credentials did you need? He's only, you know, the most winningest coach ever here. He's the only coach in the world, to my knowledge, to have two basketball courts named after him. In yep. my opinion, it should have been Red Grange, Dick Butkus, and Lou Henson should have been the third person listed. I, I don't know what the criteria is. Yeah, that's. I think the criteria is the key, and I don't. I don't know all the criteria. I don't have it in front of me, but I know they they had a really. Um, I don't know if strict's the word, but they had some certain criteria they wanted met. And I agree with you. I mean, I think most people agreed. If you ask everybody in this community, they felt like Lou should have been in that first class. As it turns out, he's the first member of the second class. Okay, well, I wonder this, too. And I, not to be, anyway, the the guy's getting older, right? Yep, that's right. Why do we have to wait? Is there some law it states that we have to wait for next year or whatever to induct him. I really do think that this is just a horrible thing and, and that the U of I should think about inducting him now. We, we, we would like him as a, as a fan and a season ticket holder here, and my grandfather had season tickets to like all the sporting events and everything. I, I'd like to see the man inducted now while he's still alive and can enjoy it and see how much he's appreciated. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people agree with you, and I think that, you know, obviously his health has been a concern. Uh, it's right. been, been been very up and down. So Man, they and, really missed the boat on this one, Brian. Well, and I think they – I think Josh uh, and his team, you know, understood the concern that people have about it, and I think, you know, they had the gala up in Chicago that I attended up there with a, 600 mm-hmm. other people. And right. that was the the end of the evening was the announcement that he would and Lou was there, uh, you know. Right. So so I mean it was it was a and anybody that was anybody in Illinois sports was there too. So he okay, got the so record. They did you know, announce there that yes. he was going to be in the next class. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll keep him in our prayers and hope he yeah. makes it there yeah. so he can be here for it. I know what you mean. Everybody loves Lou, and that's um, that was uh, I think I think the. Josh and his team again kind of understood the sentiment, and uh, I think they tried to address it too at the uh, at the gala, and that was a really cool announcement when he made it. And Lou was there, and Mary, and uh, a lot of people there. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, everything will work out, and his health will stay good. And uh, you know that when that second class is officially inducted, he'll be in. But um, you know, hey, can I say one more thing? Yeah, sure. And about the U of I football program this year, I can't wait to get out here and see. Mikey Dudek, make a quarterback out of Chase Crouch. <laughs> well, we certainly missed him, haven't we? Oh, my God. Yeah. And, he, and he has the ability to do that, that young man does. He's something special. Yeah, he is. Now, let's hope his uh, knee is fine and he can kind of hopefully even somewhat replicate what he did that first year. Yep. So, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call, Jim. 356 
You can text us, 3515357. Email us, talk at WDWS.com. Let's go back to the phones. I think Val Coble's with us. Saw him riding a cart yesterday. How you doing, Val? Hey, Brian. How's it going? Big day yesterday. Everything's in the books, yeah. right? I'm telling you what, we had a great day. I was worried about the weather and worried about it and just, well, we got lucky, I guess. Everything went over <laughs> us. Had a heck of a storm in Paxton. They had even uh, hail over there, they said. Yeah. Now, was that crowd, the so, crowd seemed bigger to me on the parade route. Did, did you sense was, that? Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was. I, uh, it was a pretty good parade, I thought. I thought we had a pretty good mixture. Mm-hmm. And, and it's uh, uh, we're heading in in the Illinois, of course. We're heading into an election year next year, so that's right. that adds to it. But uh, that adds a little bit to it. But mm-hmm. I can get along without that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all part of the parade, I guess. But, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's that, that's freedom, isn't it? That's what that's, that's what, what that's what it's all about. about. Yeah. So uh, yeah, people, just, go ahead. People can still donate, right, for next year. And pardon, yeah. This that's one thing about it is is it'd be so nice. Like after the fireworks, if we had barrels out there that people could contribute because. I do believe that that was one of our best fireworks shows ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got a chance to see it or not. I did not get a chance to see it. but uh, The finale was, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness gracious, <laughs> super, super, <laughs> super. So I hope some people can call in and kind of talk about it a bit. We don't get yeah. much response in mm-hmm. that. And, you know, it, uh, we try to do try to do a good show. And I think this, like I say, I think this show was, was the best. Our 5K was up at real good attendance for the 5K walk in the morning and Prayed everything went off went off really really good so well good yeah right on this you know we've paid for this year now we got to pay for next year so if you want to see those big sparklers go up in the air <laughs> takes a little money to do that so. all right where should where should they mail if they want to you can mail, mail it to the post office box four five two or you can get it on at Champagne six eighteen twenty four I think or uh, the net the, the net is www.july4.net okay. All right, and what was I the mean, PO box? What was the PO box again? PO box was four five two champagne. Four five two champagne, and then six one eight two. You know, a lot of envelopes yeah. were sent out earlier, and then probably mm-hmm. a lot of them sitting on the refrigerator, not being forgot to mail them. So maybe while we're thinking about it right away, we yeah. can drop that in the mail. All right, very good. <laughs> hey, Val. thank you. Yep. for all your help and all the station's <clears throat> help, and did a great job. And good to see Lonely out there. He's looking good. Uh, he, he's an institution. <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> okay, Ryan. All right, you, thank you, Val. Need a, need a break? We'll come back with more callers after this on Penny for Your Thoughts. 1026 here in Champaign-Urbana. Brian Barnhart in for Jim Turpin today. We are on Penny for Your Thoughts. Great to have you with us. 3569397. You can text us. Castle Heating and Cooling text line 3515357. Email us talk at wdws.com. Let's go back to the phones here. By the way, a year ago today, One year ago today, you know what happened a year ago today, July 5th, the FBI director, James Comey, said the agency was recommending no criminal charges against presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton for her handling of classified material using a private email account while Secretary of State. But Comey also strongly criticized Clinton for what he called extremely careless behavior by her and her aides. Happy anniversary. That was one year ago today. Let's go back to the phones. Kurt, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Brian. I don't know if you remember this gentleman or not. He was a sports information director at the University of Illinois from the 1950s into the 1970s. His name was Charlie Bellotti, 
And he passed away this past week at the age of 91. Is that right? Hmm. That's right. I had the pleasure of uh, working back when I was in high school for Charlie Pilate. And at that time, they did not call it sports information. They called it publicity department. Yep. And I worked the football games up in the press box. And that was quite an experience, particularly that old press box, the very first one. You had to go up the steps. It was my job to pass out play-by-play sheets and the stat sheets to the radio booths. And at that time, there were many radio stations uh, killing you in my football games besides your own very own WDWS. That's right, yeah. There were multiple uh, multiple broadcasts. And then they also even had they also even had the TV games up there, and I even got to meet Lindsey Nelson, who was doing a game for uh, for the NBC Illinois game for the week. And it was really quite an experience. And I also had worked some indoor track meets. One indoor track meet, uh, Charlie Bly says, "Come on, you got to move faster." And I started moving faster, and I said to myself, "Oh boy, he's probably going to fire me at the end of the day." <laughs> well, at the end of the day, he said everybody did a good job, and I still got called back as usual to to go to work at the football games. As yeah. a matter of fact, so he was known as everybody's uncle. The man never married and had a family, but he had plenty of nieces and nephews of his own. He's from Jacksonville, Illinois, and hmm. he and the late Charlie Dew were good friends because that was Charlie's old hometown too. The old the one of Champaign High School baseball coach. Oh, sure, so, sure. So what? So, so, anyway, so what did you get paid right. for that? What did you get paid for yeah. that? Let's see, I, was, I was getting minimum wage. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was about maybe a dollar an hour or a dollar twenty-five <laughs> an hour at the most. That was going to be my guess. A buck or a buck twenty-five. So. And that, yeah. and that was that was back in the that was back in the early uh, mid sixties. Right. Right. Well, so anyway, th- well, we're sorry to hear that he's passed, but uh, I pre- appreciate you sharing that with me. Anyway, a lot of the older people in town who remember Illinois sports will remember Charlie Bond. All right. Hey, thank you for the call. Hey, thanks a lot, Brian. Yep, you bet. Good to hear from you. Let's go to Alan here on line one. Alan, how are you? Pretty good, Brian. How are you doing? Hey, what's going on? Uh, I mean, I was going to bring up the Hall of Fame thing. Would you think that Harry Combs could have made it if he hadn't got caught in the fun scandal? Because to me, he might have been and would have been the most successful basketball coach we ever had. Yeah. Well, do you think then, that do you think that'll keep him out entirely, or you just didn't you thought it might affect the first ballot? Well, if you say they got criteria, that might yeah. be it. Yeah, I'm not I don't. He'd be first, but he has to be. He would have to be up there because he he really had some fine teams before this all happened. And even that year, he got caught. They were going to win the Big Ten, and they would have went far in the NCAA back when it was only what twelve yeah. or sixteen yeah. teams. It wasn't very many, I know that. But yeah, no, I, I know talking to Lauren Tate, he he raves about that team, how good it was oh, that year. Yeah. That that whole broke that whole thing and broke. They were getting better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't have the criteria in front of me, but I, I don't I don't know whether or not that was even a factor. But obviously, he's a guy that won a lot, a lot of games. So I would think he'd have to be in the Hall of Fame some somewhere along the line. Yep. Well, 
I think it's uh, the fun part of this is it can always expand. So, not the Mark Dudek thing. I hope he can come out and be productive. But I saw what happened to the Green Bay wide receiver, and it took him three quarters of the season last year before he even come close to being himself. And uh, I'm just afraid that Mikey is going to take a while for him be what he was yeah well hopefully he can get back like i said if he can get back to three quarters of what he was that's 800 yards so yeah well that'd, uh, that'd be pretty good we could use all the help we can get that's for sure thanks alan Thank yep and real quick here before the news barb how are you hi barb oh hi uh i have a question yeah with regard to the parade yesterday mm-hmm. uh why did they reverse you know where they started and where they ended Part of it had to do with staging, I think. Uh, it's easier to stage all of the floats in a big parking lot than it is on multiple side streets. Oh, I see. I, I think, because when uh, I, I've walked in parades both directions, and I remember those floats, when they started in Urbana, they were all over every side street in the city, lined up, and it's hard to get everybody together. Well, that makes uh, sense. And so when you start at the State Farm Center, then it's everybody's right there. So. Do you think... Uh, it uh, increased the crowd any or decreased it in areas? I don't know. I, I don't know if it has an effect or not. I mean, it's the same route, just in reverse. Yeah, we were yeah. over on uh, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot of people and, over there. Oh, yeah, there by that park, yep, you know. for sure. And what was kind of interesting, at the end of the uh, parade, they had like a fire truck. Mm-hmm. And they were shooting water out. And people along, including us, they they about drenched us. <laughs> <laughs> you got soaked, huh? Yeah, I mean they were going down the street and they were using that. And uh, of course the kids loved it. Oh so. sure, yeah, it's always fun. It feels good on a hot day. Now, what group were you walking with? With the uh, News Gazette and the WDWS. And oh, I saw yeah, the News Gazette, mm-hmm, but news- I didn't see. Yeah, we, yeah, we I, had we we had a van right there in front. We were kind of together, a van, oh, some of okay. us more. Yeah, it was kind of a big group, so. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good, and, and uh, they had some good things in it. They had, they had a lot of those uh, big trucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, the trucks, the balloons, the floats, it's, it's yeah, all I part mean, of it. Yeah, the, the trucks that, you know, uh, wreckers are like. There, right. So. Mm-hmm. Those are big. <laughs> oh, they sure are. Yeah, well, that's all I was going to ask. Right. Thank Thanks. you, Barb. Uh-huh. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. All right, I'm running a little late. Sorry about that, Michael. News headlines are next. Final half hour coming up, and we'll continue with more in a moment. Hi, this is Jim Bohannon. Join us for the next Bohannon Show with the top stories of the day, some fun stuff from sports or entertainment, you name it, right here. Tonight at 9 on DWS. Hey, do you know that uh, two-thirds of retirees wish they had done things differently when planning for retirement? That's from the Million Dollar Roundtable. That's the source for that. Busey Wealth Management shares seven tried and true tips from retirees. Realize your dream. Have a clear vision. Get educated. Make a plan. Contribute. Keep contributing and don't touch retirement savings. Monitor your progress and turn your dreams into reality. For a guide to your golden years and more, read Expert Insights on Busey.com today. The experienced professionals at Busey Wealth Management are ready to create your personalized plan or check in on your current retirement goals. You can visit Busey.com or call 1-800-67-I-Busey. 356-9397. 
You can email us, talk at WDWS.com. And you can text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. Well, a package of legislation aimed at ending a two-year Illinois budget standoff back in the House today. The House convening today to face action to override Republican Governor Bruce Rano's vetoes of a $36 billion budget. Fueled by a $5 billion increase in income taxes, that legislation bounced around yesterday on the 4th of July. Senate approved the budget plan and tax increase with a necessary three-fifths majority vote. The governor vetoed them three hours later. The Senate then wasted no time in overriding the veto, sending them back to the House for consideration. The Illinois House in session late yesterday, but adjourned without taking action on budget veto overrides. There was not a quorum present to conduct business on the 4th of July holiday. Fifty-four members answered the House quorum call that prohibited lawmakers from taking action. So that's kind of where we stand over in Springfield. Of the uh, four state senators here in east-central Illinois, two voted to uh, override the governor's veto, two voted yes, two voted no. The uh, yes votes, Champaign Democrat Scott Bennett, he says the budget impasse is threatening the very existence of the state's institutions of higher learning and social service providers. The other yes vote was from Republican Dale Ryder of Mattoon. He was voicing concerns about Eastern Illinois University. If you've followed anything along the way here, you know that Eastern Illinois has really struggled here in the budget impasse. They've been hit with extensive cutbacks, so he voted yes. And then the two no votes, Chapin Rose, Republican of Muhammad, Jason Barrickman, Republican of Bloomington. All right, let's go back to the phones here. We've got George in Champaign on with us. Good morning, George. Good morning. Uh, earlier, Marcus called about that cell phone. Uh, when I used to drive for MTD, a lot of people would find things, you know, they'd give it to the drivers and they'd end up at the terminal, so he might want to check down there. Oh, okay. And the other thing is, I don't know if anybody had a chance to listen to Jim Bohannon, I mean, he's kind of a late-nighter, uh, last Thursday. It was something pretty disturbing was on. He made a comment, and he was pretty upset about it, about what uh, we call squatters. He was calling intruders or house invaders. There okay. Was a couple, there was a couple that went on vacation, came back, and this is out east, and there was a couple people in their house just living there. Oh, wow. And so he went to his neighbor, got his neighbor, and I got a couple of ball bats and went over there and uh, confronted the two and ran them off. And, uh, of course, the other two, the squatters, called the police. Well, the police arrested the homeowner and the neighbor. The judge put them in jail and then ordered them to find another place to stay that the squatters could stay there. And they could not even shut off the heat, the gas, or the water or anything. Really? Yeah, that was so, extreme. And then this is what it was bizarre because, of course, there's a lot of these liberal judges are doing it. Well, he started getting phone calls from all over the country where this is happening. Huh. So where was this again? On, you know, Jim Bohannon. Yeah, but, show? but, yeah, but where, where did the incident occur? Well, the, ri- the ri- original one was uh, out east somewhere, like I think Pennsylvania and oh. that area, New Jersey or somewhere. And then. Uh, then all of a sudden, all these other phone calls started coming in, saying the same darn thing was happening. That they were basically ordered out of the, the owners ordered huh. ordered out of the house. Well, I assume they arrested the owners because they came with a baseball bat, right? Well, the, well, a... this other 
deal was this uh, one guy pulled in, uh, went on vacation, and a guy broke in the house and set up a garage sale out front with all the furniture and stuff. And uh, so the neighbor went over and asked him what was going on. Uh, and, he, of course, the guy was lying, said he was uh, remodeling the house and stuff. But, anyway, he called the owner, called the police. Well, turns out that that guy could end up staying there, and then the owner there had to really? find something. Yeah, it was huh. it's really disturbing if we, if we lose homeownership. Yeah, that's that's a strange situation. I I can't imagine ultimately you'd win that. I mean, you, if that's your house, that's your house. Yeah, right? what I would have done with that judge... I would have went over to his house and kicked his doors in and set up house there then. <laughs> yeah, what, well, I don't think I don't think you can do that. But yeah, I, I, I understand. Mean, I understand the it, sentiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he thinks that's cool, all yeah. right. Well, I'll hey, talk. thank you, George. You bet. Bye. Yep, great to hear from you. Yeah, and the uh, he suggested George suggested Marcus call the uh, MTD. Sometimes the bus drivers pick up phones. Marcus had called earlier. His number, by the way, is six two one. Thirty-nine seventy-one. He was at the fireworks show last night. Uh, they lost a silver iPhone, I think, with a black uh, case of some sort. But it's uh, somewhere between the State Farm Center lot and the cemetery there, east of the stadium, somewhere in that area. So if you happen to be around there and see it, or you heard about it, or you know somebody that found a phone, they don't know what to do with it. It's probably not theirs. So give Marcus a call, 621-3971. Let's go to Tuscola down the road. How you doing, Richard? Well, I'm doing fine, Brian, and I hope you're doing well. I've been listening to you for the last few days. and uh, I've got the solution to our state's problem. Now, I know it's not going to get uh, done, but here, here are my four points. First of all, I would stop immediately all social programs, all. Program. Uh, this thought is engendered by the Bible, where Adam and Eve sinned, and God said, "Okay, you gotta, you gotta earn your bread by the sweat of your brow, essentially." And the third person of the Holy Spirit presumably prompted uh, Paul to write, "If a man will not work, neither let him eat, neither let him have uh, any other helps." You know, I, I'd say food is uh, about as essential as water. So that's my first point. Next thing I would do is I would cut all property taxes across the state to uh, a level that would be a median of all the other uh, you know states. You know we're the highest. Mm-hmm. Let's get down. Just just cut it to. You know I realize that we're a fairly wealthy state in terms of what uh, kind of income we can generate from farming and and uh, you know other activities manufacturing. But I think we ought to be, uh, you know, down near the the middle instead of the, the highest. Okay. The next thing I would do is I would cut all state pensions across the board at least 15%. And I know the state uh, um, Supreme Court said, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that. I'd say, well, what are you going to do about it? We're going to do it. What are you going to do about it? What, what authority do you have? How are you going to stop us? We're doing it. We're cutting it. And uh, I believe that our we've had more offices, more state employees than any other state uh, per capita. And they are probably pulling down sizable pensions. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got to bite the bullet. My taxes have gone up. So 
So um, they need to uh, bite the bullet, too. They need to take, um, you know, they need to uh, have some skin in the game, as the expression goes, and help the state get back on their feet. And 15% shouldn't, shouldn't uh, make anybody, uh, you know, scrambling for their next meal. That's, that's my third point. Okay, real quick to the fourth one, yeah, because i got to go. But go ahead. No, if you pay no state tax, you do not vote in the state on state matters. Hmm. And and we know that uh, more than 50% of all voters do not pay federal income tax. So I I believe that's another issue. You, You should have no say about anything if you're not supporting the state through taxes. So that's... All right, well... All uh, interesting ideas to kick around, but uh, my guess is that none of those will happen. If they made me a king for a day, that's what I would do, Brian. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. And there's a lot of reasons uh, why some of that won't be done or can't be done. Because you think about even the first one, some people just can't work. Maybe they're not physically able to. I mean, you got to think about that. And then there's all kinds of the pension cuts everywhere. Um a lot of voters that uh, work for the state or work for the universities or whatever. I mean, when do you start? Do you freeze their pensions? Do you, I mean, when you say cut 15%, where do you start? When do you start? I mean, there's a lot of factors there. But anyway, uh, interesting thoughts. Like I said, I don't think any or all of those are going to happen. We'll come back with more after this on Penny. Get caught up on the latest local news, sports, and weather on the DWS News Hour presented by ABC Heating and Air. Join us this afternoon at 4 here on News Talk 1400. All right, we've got a couple of minutes to work with here at uh, 1055. Uh, Brian and Gifford. Brian, go ahead. How are you? Doing fine, Brian. Uh, I'd like to kind of respond to the one gentleman who called about, you know, he had the problems for figuring out a way to solve the problems of Illinois. Well, the thing is, you're not going to be able to get people back to work if you, you know, when you cut all the welfare programs if there's no jobs here. They've got to bust the tax rates down, but also the country has got to break the free trade, the free trade agreement so jobs can come back, manufacturing can come back. And uh, on another point about the pensions, we need to get Illinois out of the pension business. We really do. It needs to go private, or else they need to sign a lockbox to the money taken out of the state employee's check for their pension and out of the taxpayer for the pension form. Because it just goes into a general fund and they take it. it just, it's not assigned to the pension. It's theft. No, I know. It's it's a very complicated. Maybe raise the age. You know, you get your retirement. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can try to tweak, but it's not as easy as it sounds. Well, well oh. the main thing is that the money taken out has got to go into a lockbox. They mm-hmm. don't they just throw it into a general fund so they can be more flexible. When you do that, that money's gone. I don't know if anybody remembers, but about 10 years ago, maybe 15, the Illinois had the Illinois College Saving Fund. Yep. So you could put your money into there for your kid's college. Well, there was quite a few million dollars in there when it looked at Julius Julius was treasurer, and that vanished. That was gone. All those people put money, millions of dollars, you know, statewide, went into it, and it was gone. All these yep. people lost their money. They never got it back. I remember hearing about that. Hey, Brian, i got to well, move, but thank okay, you. See you guys. All Bye. right. See you later. Uh, Marsha in Champaign. Marsha, how are you? I'm fine. I just have a, a comment. Uh, you know, if the state goes messing with people's pensions that they've worked hard for, uh, and people knowing that the government's had their hands places they shouldn't have been, they've been spending our money, 
there's going to be a big revolution. I mean, the seniors, I've talked to a lot of them, and uh, there will be big, big problems if they try to do anything to our pensions. Yep. So they yep. need to think of a different avenue. All right. Well, thank you, Marcia. Yeah. Yep. Good Bye. point. Thank you. Back to wrap it up in a moment. All right, got about 30 seconds left. Thanks to our guest in the first hour, Dr. Susan Zola, new superintendent of Unit 4 Schools in Champaign. Thanks to all of our callers and emailers and texters. I've got a couple of things left over here. I will bring those up tomorrow at the start of the show. Talk a little bit of Little Rebounders Golf tomorrow as well with Scott Friedline. All of that uh, straight ahead tomorrow on Penny for Your Thoughts. Dr. King Lee on Friday on WDWS. Champaign-Urbana, have a great day, everybody. CBS News, I'm Bill Rakoff. President Trump is tweeting his frustration with China over its expanding trade with North Korea in the wake of...